Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, David Arnold. Not as always. Uh, I guess spot every once in a while. Uh, like your quadruple A pitcher slash uh, six starter in the rotation. Every couple of games or so, I'm here. Uh, hosting with my dad, Paul Arnold. Uh, he's just going to be co-hosting. That's not right. Not the main host I'm tonight. I'm just chilling. That's right. You, you put all the responsibility on me, your son, which you have 28 years of knowing is probably a mistake. No, no, no. You, you podcasted way before I ever did with Wolverine Sports Radio and V Sporto, and you have years of experience. And then I came along, bored one winter, missing my buddies across the country, and I said, I can do this. This is not too hard. And I told my wife, okay, for Christmas, let me just pay some money to get a podcast going. And she says, okay, you're going to be out of my hair? I said, yes. Okay, go for it. So that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. Yes, as every football fan over baseball knows, quantity is no substitute for quality. Uh, but yes, I've podcasted for a lot longer. Uh, anyways, Ernest, you're over there. Uh, the man, the myth, the storyteller. How you doing, man? You know, you're more like a, a swing man. A guy can go short relief, long man, occasional fifth starter. I, I view Are you, you saying more he's a swinger? swinger? Is that what you're saying? No, a swing man in a baseball team. The guy go long relief, come in, you know, doubleheader, pitch the first game of a doubleheader. Jim Harbaugh. That's... Jim Harbaugh called me a Swiss Army knife. That's what I am. I'm here. I'm okay. There. All right. Yeah, utility man. Uh, the Don Kelly of podcasting. But by the way, um, do you know where your first uh, utility Swiss Army knife is these days? As only a dad can ask his you. son. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm the son. My saving grace for for having my dad like me as a child was the fact that I liked sports. You know, I wasn't into cars, not a big nature guy. Uh, oh, for two on those things. Sports in my back pocket, though. Yeah. Uh, I always That's had sports. The only reason he liked you, not because <laughs> you are the product of his procreation, yeah. no, no paternal feelings. Hey, let's not get too biological life. here. In this okay, I was just doing it from a biological basis. Ernest, oh, we're making yeah. prog- we've made progress. Okay. okay. All right. okay. <laughs> progress. Actually, you know, speaking are of you, t- you going to issue a joint communique, maybe, perhaps? <laughs> I, I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, speaking <laughs> about utility guys, you know, describe me as a utility player. This is really off the cusp here. Uh, who's your favorite utility guy? I think we all have one growing up. You know, the best not good player on a really good team you grew up cheering up, cheering for. Uh, I referenced Don Kelly, who, who's like a perennial last player on the 40-man roster for the Tigers. But he made a couple playoff rosters. Uh, same with Ryan Rayburn. Two guys really etched in my memory growing up as like guys I loved watching play baseball who are also kind of also totally terrible at baseball. Dad, did you do you have anyone in mind that comes to mind? Yeah, I've talked about really before. Mickey Stanley for the 1968 Detroit Tigers. I was a young fella. Uh six, seven years old when all that was going on. And uh, he wasn't a great player, but he could play center field. And they put him in at shortstop for the World Series because their shortstop couldn't hit worth a lick, Ray Euler. So they brought in Stanley, just a clean-cut American guy. And, you know, for one brief shiny moment, he was the great player the Tigers needed during the World Series. How about you, Ernest? Boy, there are so many. I was thinking of uh, Kurt Moten, Billy Gabarkowitz, uh, Tommy Helms. I mean, uh, uh, Kurt Befferly. I, mean, I want to hear one story about one person. 
<laughs> one story. One, one person. One person. Who's the guy who just was forced to retire because of the divorce? His wife is with the Cubs. He's with the Rays. I, I'm. I, it's. It's my blood pressure. I can't remember. Is it? Is it the catcher that won David? Second Ross? baseman. No, not David Ross. Played second base. He was with Tampa Bay. He's with Kansas City when they wore. Boy, I'm blanking out. He is the ultimate. Omar Infante. No. 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 He's actually a start. I mean. You think of guys like Burt Campanaris, who played all nine positions in a game, and Cesar Tovar. They're the only two guys ever to do that. They played a position every inning and pitched an inning. And they did this back in the uh, – Campanaris did it in the early 70s. Cesar Tovar did it in the 70s. So I always figured that was the kind of position. After a while, I remember, I've even got a jersey of the guy with Tampa. But he was he's like the modern type of individual like that. Well, if you think about it, let me know. I'm curious to hear. There are some great ones. I think I always think about when every Super Bowl winning team and every baseball winning team, eh, some on the other team in other sports, but mainly those two sports. There's always a guy who's like a 33, 34, 35 year old veteran on like a minimum contract who has a slightly small key play, uh, key detail that elevates him into like semi legendary status. And he parlays that into like a super mega. David Ross for the Cubs catcher. Medium contract. No, no, not him. It, it'll come to me after but, but, a while. But the, those type of people, those type of people, right? There, there's always that type of guy on every Super Bowl winning team, championship winning team, who parlays this one moment of accidental brilliance into the rest of his life. Gets to write a book. Nick Foles in the Super Bowl for the Eagles, for example. You know, Luis you got Gonzalez for the here. Diamondbacks. But he, yeah, I mean. It, you know, and they actually tried to quantify that to an extent to see uh, the David Tyree moment, right? Yeah, and they tried to quantify that to an extent, but they, and they think they've kind of figured that out after a while. But Ben Zobris, that's who I was trying to think. Ben of. Zobris, definitely a guy. He who, is the perfect. I mean, he was a good guy. He took Tampa to the playoffs, World Series with the Royals, and then the Cubs. Winning the championship. He's probably the epitome of that right now. What was the drama with him with the wife? You brought that up earlier. What are you talking about with him? His wife was a, uh, she sung uh, religious music and, and she left for another man. And oh. he took the responsibility of raising the children and made a decision, kind of like Rick Moranis after his wife died, Ghostbusters. Uh, to retire and raise his children rather than try to do both at the same time. He got custody of the children. Ooh, that is a fun rabbit hole I don't want to chase. He walked away from a $25 million contract. Hopefully he made his millions before that. The one thing about baseball that always confuses me as a labor and employment law school person who's emphasizing in that area – the fact that baseball players really don't get the chance to get paid and, and big contracts until their late 20s, if not even later, uh, with the way the minor league set, system is set up, where arbitration, 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 uh, they really don't get paid a lot. That's a, that's yeah. also a different rabbit hole. I want to talk about sports, though, Ernest. Okay, okay I was going to say, technically, minor league players, if you put the hours that they work, make less yeah. than minimum wage. Way below minimum wage. Uh, there's a big push right now to kind of bring that to the forefront. That's for another day. You know how Let's they're handling that. Well, well, real quick, like, you know how they're handling that, how Major League Baseball is going to answer that. Yeah, they're, they're eliminating teams. 40 they're teams. To... 
They're trying to. They're trying to eliminate the teams. So baseball is coming back. We're going to have our baseball here. It's already started in Korea. We 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 got the bat flips, right? Which, if we can bring anything back to America from this Korean baseball experiment right now, bat flips, A. And then, uh, of course, they don't have any people in the stands right now. But if you watch any videos of previous Korean baseball games, uh, they compare it to college football Saturdays in the SEC. That's the kind of environment Korean baseball brings. Uh, if we're ever going to have a chance of bringing baseball back from its former glory, raising it from the dead with, with my generation, I think we kind of need to bring back some uh, big chants, big crowd music, big energy, big bat flips. Um, let's talk about baseball starting in the next year. But Ernest, have you? did you watch uh, Dixon Machado in the opening weekend of Korean baseball? I'm a big NC Dinos fan. I love the rules. I mean, the rules are if it gets to the 12th inning, it's a tie. Awesome. At the end of the season, first place team gets a bye. The other four teams play, and it's a weighted playoff. It's best out of five. The team with the best record only has to win uh, two games. The team with the lower record has to win uh, three games to win a conference. It's so the team, it's oh yeah, oh yeah, and in the playoffs, it's ten innings, and if it's a tie, the team with the better record gets the win. Ooh, that that brings so much significance to the regular season that we don't have in Major League Baseball right now. Which is my my single biggest complaint about baseball is that there are so many games played, it, it nullifies the effect of a single game, single outcome, and over the course of the season, that puts me to sleep. Yeah, that's kind of just something I've always had a qualm with. It's crazy that they incorporate the regular season into the playoffs in that way. What? So beyond all of that, though, I don't want to hear about that. What? What is your? What is your favorite thing you enjoy the most watching the game that you would like to be brought back into Major League Baseball? Is it the bat flips? Because the bat flips are uh, so. Bat flips are all right. I like the. I like the fact that. Similar to Japanese baseball, if they hit a guy, they tip the hat. And, and, and in Japanese baseball, they bow and ask for forgiveness. Korean ball, they, they tip the hat if they hit a guy. So you don't have any fights. So none of the fights on the field in that respect. And it's it's the equivalent of double-A baseball. Really Do they have is. trash cans in Korean baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any of the fields are clean. Well, there's nobody there but the media in that respect. But it's, it's, it's the timing, it's pacing is very quick quicker you don't have commercials you don't have guys stepping out of the box you don't have pitchers stepping off the mound it's straight play i mean you step in the box you don't leave the box yeah so speaking of international sports dad if there was one international equivalent to american sports you know whether it's football or baseball uh which country would you want to go travel to to see their professional version of our of our sports equivalent would it be the dominican republican baseball Korean baseball, Japanese baseball, uh, European football. No, no, man, you're on the wrong track. Why would you go to another country to see a sport? They're copying us. doesn't make any sense at all. It's like going to China to see basketball. I'm not going to go to Korea to see baseball. Baseball is meant to be here with grass and peanuts, and and the old rules still matter. I think you're on the right track, though. I mean, if I'm going to see soccer, I'm going to go over to England or Italy or Germany. That'd be a super sweet trip to do those three things. Um, and some of the Olympic sports would be cool in different areas, but 
as you and I both know, some of the things that would work really good in Korean baseball and soccer, where you have maybe a theme song and you have a group gathering, just goes against the face of what baseball has always been. Baseball has always been take your time, father, son, relax, know the insides of the game, know the inside rules, and it's a long-term loyalty thing. It's not a once-in-a-while national group pride thing like soccer can be. But I tell you, you won me over in soccer when we went to a game over in England because everybody was so into it even when there wasn't great action. And there was just a sense of singing the songs and feeling part of a large community. And I think if you live in such a huge area such as London, you got to have these smaller like communities that revolve around their soccer team so they feel like they're not so lost in such a huge area. Like if you went to New York, they rally around their baseball teams like or their football teams. Sports has to have that drawing instinct, and baseball's lost it, and we've talked about it over and over again. But I would love to see this is the time where baseball makes changes. And today in ESPN, they talked about that the owners have signed off on a way of doing things, but the big deal is about the salary cap. Baseball's never had a salary cap. Other sports has. And the way this is currently drawn up, it's they're basically limiting what the players are going to make, and the players are accusing the owners of setting them up for a future contract that would include a salary cap. It's basically saying, hey, you owners, you just want to rip us off some more, and the owners are saying, hey, we just want to have some baseball. Ernest, what side of that do you land on? Well, there was an original agreement back in March that they were going to prorate the salaries. And the owners have come in and said, listen, so much of our income comes from attendance. If we play the games with nobody in the stands, we want to prorate the salaries and make it 50-50 cut, which would make it, in essence, as you say, a salary cap, laying the groundwork for a future salary cap. Uh, and then to add on to the factor also, like you said, it's been approved by the owners, has not been approved by Tony Clark, who's the head of the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association. The other problem is that the uh, some of the players are outspoken. Uh, Mike Trout's been one of them in the fact that – Wait a second, don't Mike want... Trout outspoken? Did you just yeah. say that? Oh, yeah. What a in rare one time. Sentence? One wow. sentence. He, he's concerned about exposure to family members. Would the players be able to take their Which, family members in these? Of course, if Mike Trout is going to speak out about anything, it's going to be something as homely as worried about his family. But that is that is super Mike Trout, which is awesome. That's that's the best thing about Mike Trout, right? Continue, Ernest. Continue. Well, I was going to say that it's not a done deal that tomorrow the Players Association are going to agree that there's probably going to be some more negotiation. But there are those in the Players Association, like Paul said, are looking at this. And saying, "Listen, you're laying the you're laying a trap for us." And then the, the owners are saying, "Listen, we get so much income from attendance, we're going to get the worst end of this if we just go with a prorated salary." When we talked about prorated salary in March, we were laying the groundwork. We thought we were going to have stands, fans in the stands. So there, this may take a while. I know the July fourth date is kind of like the Easter date, which was laid out a couple months ago. That's nice, but they've got to work things out. And there's going to have to be spring practice 2.0. 
spring training 2.0 because they're right. not ready to play. And pitchers, this that my concern is normally pitchers get six weeks to prepare for a season. And, it, you know, you'd have to start them in a week to get that much behind. So, Ernest, Ernest, you're leading me into the next thing I would like to talk about. And I want to go quick, rapid fire questions about baseball changes you would either be up for or not up for. I want to I want you to finish your point, but I want to ask you and my dad uh, your opinions on some different baseball changes you would like to see happen in the next few months or maybe not happen at all. But, but continue. Finish up, Ernest. Okay. Well, they're talking about DH for everybody so pitchers don't bat. I don't know if that's really going to save their, their shoulders and their arms that much. They're also talking about... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Yeah. And they're going to... Yeah, you're, you're about to list all the things. You're about to list oh, all the things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I jumped I'm going to get there. Ernest, yes. let me ask you. All right. Would you be, <laughs> would you be up for a DH uh, permanently? Permanently DH for both leagues, AL oh, yeah. and NL. Is yeah. that a yes? That's a firm, yeah. affirmative, hundred percent yes. Hundred percent. You're tossing tradition out the window. Yes, go for it. Get rid of the oh. other. Okay, oh. wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. If you believed in tradition, you would have went to work on a horse today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dad, so Dad, you you feel the same way? Uh, NL ha- has always been a disadvantage when it comes to the World Series, but interleague play maybe the AL has a disadvantage. Uh, you're firmly in the camp of having a DH for for all what 30 professional Major League Baseball teams. Yes, definitely. All right, no, there's no 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 doubt about no that. No doubt huh? about it. I don't want to take no. any rest of your thunder. Okay. Although I say right now we need Cal Ripken to save baseball again. He did it before. He could do it again. Cal Ripken for president. I mean commissioner. Uh, for for a backstory there, Cal Ripken Jr. broke broke consecutive game streak record back in 1995 was right. it the year after the strike the year after the strike yes um e- even though yes okay all right next up seven inning games Ernest, are you for seven inning games because of the fact pitchers arms are not going to be as ready uh we, we have durability issues at play here we potentially could be costing pitchers years off their career uh if they get injured uh, with full nine inning games. Ernest, what do you think about seven inning games? Only in double headers, not the regular rest of the year. I, seven inning double headers, not the regular season, no. So we're going back to like uh, Pony League. Minor league. League. minor league baseball does this. In the minor leagues, if they have a double header, they play seven innings because of how young the pitchers are. Dad, how do you feel about having some games be nine innings? For a final result, uh, equate the same to a seven-inning game. Uh, what do you feel, Dad? Seven-inning games, yes or no? So I think they should do seven-inning games, but a different caveat, that if after seven games, if it's tied up, they only play two more innings, and then they're done. That they, Their max is nine innings during the regular season. Uh, I would be much in favor of that. And then when they get to the um, playoffs, they can go to nine if they want to. I think the time length of these baseball games is part of the problem. They keep on talking about the games are too long, too long. Unless they're going to start enforcing players in the batting box and all the little shenanigans they do there, then they got to cut it down some way. It will never happen, though, David, because the union does not want to lose jobs for the bullpen pitchers. So it's never going to happen. All right. I like that answer. That's the type of answer I want to hear. The, the lawyers will never let it happen. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, lawyers. They're same, all same reason. Same reason you're not going to. I mean, you could cut commercials. We could do commercials like you do soccer games. Yeah, have in them the box. Shorten the speed it and speed the game up. And once you're in the box, you stay in the box. Once you step on the rubber, you stay on the rubber. Speed the game up. I I like the way that sounds. Uh, I think that's the biggest critique I would have of baseball. Too much time in between action, which I think is we're getting at. We need more pitchers like Mark Burley, uh, you know, who th- once threw a complete game in two hours and twelve minutes, a uh, hundred pitches. There's there's uh, another rule they've tried to throw out to speed up the game, and they did it actually in one of the independent leagues last year is eliminate the shift that you had to have two guys on both sides of the infield the entire game. Yes. Kill the shift. I'm so tired of the shift. Kill the really? shift. Really? What, what, why is that dead? What, what is your opinion on the, on the shift? We've never talked about this. I'm, I'm curious uh, to hear why, why, why you'd potentially be against it. It just feels so like, okay, so the batter can't change the, where he's batting from the box. He's got to stay in the box. He can't change that. And the, so the pitcher can change the angle as he comes out. The, but the, the fielders changing where they're at based on each batter seems like a little uneven edge for the fielders. And then uh, in some ways that makes it a quicker game because of the quicker outs. But I think it just it feels like you're double teaming against a hitter. But it forces the hitter to be across the whole field, which just doesn't happen these days. They're so concentrated on power hits and trying to home runs that the art of hitting the opposite field is just so against the power swing. So I just don't like the shift. I think it just feels wrong to me. You would analytics kind of bear that out because last year, the last five years, the batting average on ground balls has gone lower and lower. And that's because guys of thing, I can't get a hit in the infield because of the shift. So I'm going to loft the ball and you do two things. You either loft the ball, hit a home run, or you swing and strike out, strikeouts extend the game. So most of the analytic research tells you that if you eliminate the shift, it's going to shorten the games. I think that's a great point. I am all for eliminating the shift myself. If you look at every single sport we've had, whether it's American sports like football and basketball uh, or even soccer, uh, there's been such things, you know, in soccer, they introduced a rule in the early 90s where you couldn't pass the ball back to the goalkeeper and have them pick the ball up to pass it. Uh, the goalie had to was only allowed to pick up the ball and pass it if it came off a deflection or a shot. Um, and, and that was because de- teams were just being so defensive uh, in the same way as shifting, you know, in baseball, where, where they're playing so defensive that it, it was just shortening, eliminating the offensive opportunities that are available. And people just want to see offense. I mean, as much as defense wins championships, you know, offense gets people on TV, gets people watching the game. Uh, and we need more quality hits. One thing about Korean baseball, Ernest, it, it, that really shocked me was just the emphasis on contact uh, that that there isn't there with baseball in, in America. Yeah. Right, right. In America, it's all about power now. Uh, like my dad said, you know, they're they're changing the launch angles. Uh, they're swinging up. They're trying to hit it out of the park. In Korea, it's still about contact. You have contact hitting first baseman, which isn't even conscionable. Uh, you know, few in, home runs in America, right? It's it's all about the contact, uh, and we need more exciting things like in ballparks like Comerica Park in Detroit here, um, or in San Diego, where, where the alleys are so huge, you're not going to have as many home runs. But one thing that is very exciting, uh, and probably more exciting than the home run, honestly, is a deep shot to the gap 
that you're watching it happen and, and the outfielders are chasing as fast as they can after the ball. Is this going to be a double? Is it going to be a triple? <laughs> you know, is the outfielder going to be able to get to the cutoff man to get to third base, get him out? Um, those are exciting times in baseball uh, that really you start to kind of miss when you bring in things like the shift. Uh, stolen base. Stolen yeah, base. Right. Isn't it fascinating how, and I love analytics, but analytics to me has ruined two sports. Baseball and basketball. Because in basketball, I've told you, and it's correct, the only value is the three-pointer or the shot under the basket. That's the Houston Rockets game, which is essentially right. boring to watch. Baseball has told you the only value is a home run. You know, swing up, have the upward swing. If you pop up, it's okay. But the home run, you get the most value out of a home run than you do a triple or a stolen base or a single. And I know analytics proves it, and I know it's correct, but it makes both these games essentially very, very boring. And, and you know, we talk about irony sometimes. The great irony of all of this. Ernest, who is the baseball team that revolutionized analytics uh, for the sporting community? Books written about it, et cetera. Who would that team be? Well, Tampa A's Bay baby. used it a lot. The A's, but the, the A's Oakland Athletics, but, but the, the Oakland Athletics, the A's, but, yeah, but I, they did like a stock market. They looked I'm, for I'm, inefficiencies. They're the ones who brought analytics to the forefront, right? Yeah, they but the shift was Tampa Bay. I Tampa Bay was the first team to shift. A, come with me here. Okay, all right. me down this path. All righty. Analytics in sporting in general was brought to the forefront in, in popular culture because of the Oakland Athletics, because of Billy Bean. Who is the field in Oakland named after? Finley? It'd be Ricky Henderson. Ricky, Ricky Henderson, Henderson oh. Field in it's Oakland. It's Alameda Stadium, but it's Ricky Henderson Field. It is Ricky Henderson Field, the team that revolutionized, quote-unquote, analytics, you know, kind of took speed out of their equation, you know, went all for contact, whatever, first baseman style hitting. Um, has their baseball field named after a player who's – Basically, archetype was eliminated by analytics. I find that ironic. Even, even more than that, you look at the three teams that have grasped the analytics. The A's looked for market inefficiency. They were looking for on-base average. Tampa Bay started the shift, the Rays. The Yankees boosted the home run. And of those three teams, how many world championships do they have in the last 20 years? The, the Yankees surprisingly one. only have one, right? One. Yeah. All three have only won one. These are the forerunners of analytics, and it's similar to Houston Rockets. They're the forerunners in the NBA, and how many championships do they have since right. the year 2000? Right. So, but then you, then you have the secondary waves, and the secondary and third waves are the people that strike the analytical concept plus the luck. Right. It, just because you're on the forefront of analytics doesn't mean you're on the forefront well, of required. The third, to, the, third to team, town. the third team is the Dodgers because they were the forefront of the upward swing. They should have at least one World Series title if another there team you go. on trash cans, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do, do we really know? I mean, that's that's I hate to say this. I'm tired of the Dodgers whining about, oh, we had a championship stole. I'm tired of the Yankees griping about, you know, you had a chance. Okay, you pitch, your pitchers could have shut them out and you could have won. So don't tell me that that was the difference. All right. That's, that's a legitimate. You choked. They okay. Choked so, so twice. 
my last question regarding baseball, and then we can move on to whatever topic you guys would like okay. to discuss in this quarantined crazy time. Uh, Dad, 162 games in a baseball season. I've already lamented that I think that's a lot of games. I'm not particularly fond of how many baseball games there are. With this shortened season, we're talking about at the most 82 baseball games. And probably my guess is it would be narrowed down realistically to somewhere in the uh, 50 to 70 game range. I I don't have a number off the top of my head, but I just don't see 82 games happening this season. If you were commissioner uh, for the next 10 years and you're a dictator commissioner, Mm. Banana Republic over here. Power gone to my head, yes. Yeah, the attorney general is on your side for every single thing. Kennesaw Landis. You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Um, So you got the attorney general on the Supreme Court and the Senate on your side, uh, no matter what you want to dictate. 162 baseball games, Dad. And Dr. Fauci, too? Dr. Fauci. He likes baseball, man. Yeah, but but you're not so into the science thing, so it's just just teasing. 162 games, too many, shorten it. What would you do, Dad? Would you keep it 162 games uh, because of the reverence for records? Or or are you okay with moving forward, having fewer games? And do you have a number or a range that you would like to see it if you would like to lower it? Well, before we get to that, if I'm commissioner, I'm going to have some fun. Man, I'm going to get... A baseball helmet for every team, a baseball, every glove that I ever wanted. I'd get them all in my office. It'd be props for when I did TV interviews. I'd get all the baseball bats. I'd get them cut, sawed in half so it can show different levels of cheating going on over the years. I'd I'd get (laughs) special boxes. I'd go to do a YouTube program, and the commissioner would go to every park and try out the food. I mean, I would I would go to every spring training event and uh, try on a jersey and take batting practice. Man, I would just uh, so I would just go also, crazy. That to me, that would be like a dream job. Except for you report to the owners, and that's the big thing. The commissioner really has his hand tied. It's all about greed, buddy. And even though baseball is not doing as good as the NFL, it's still making money. And as long as it's making enough money. They're going to let it die slow, a slow death for next generations. And that's the crying shame of it all, that we're so concerned about the money part and even the players, that they're not seeing long-term what, what's happening to the sport. And going this direction, I think soccer will overcome baseball in the next 20 years, And but they don't see that. And I think losing some of the fun of baseball. You watched the other day on YouTube. I was there at your house. Um the uh, some of the old uh, this is this week in baseball. It was old VHS. Mel Allen. Oh, it was so much fun when we grew up because every Saturday, you would watch this week in baseball and it would show highlights of baseball games from the previous it's week the and follies, f- follies and fun stuff. And it was so great yes. and it added to the mystique of it. We have so much out there now. There's no mystique to baseball anymore. There's no mystique to the sweet uh, science of a swing anymore. So they You're got so right. they so got right. to do some major renovations, and I don't think the owners are ready to do it yet. I think they need to hit, lose some money or find the, a different way. Some charismatic leader. I think Peter Uberoff, when he left the Olympics and he was the commissioner of baseball for a little while, really was dynamic enough that he led them through some good changes, and then I think he got sick of them and left. I mean, he was a commissioner who just said, uh, enough of this stuff. 
Um, so I don't see it reducing down. I would love to see there to be less games in every sport, but as you, we've already mentioned, and Ernest knows too, if they're getting most of their money through attendance, they're not going to cut that, right, Ernest? So, sorry, are you nominating Mitt Romney for <laughs> Major League Baseball Commissioner? Is it? Is that? I think Manford's too young. I don't think Romney's, but Romney is not a bad guy. W? I like Romney. How about yeah. W? W has experience. Yeah, is, but Mitt Romney has experience with the Olympics. Uh, that's yeah, that but W has there. experience with the Rangers. Okay, I get to say baseball now. We, we wanted well. We wanted competence. Okay. Not, not, not I think the yeah, Rangers. Here, I'm ready to save baseball. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First of all, keep the same number of games, but you have to play doubleheaders two a month. And the first game in the doubleheader, make it a daytime, nighttime doubleheader. The first game, anybody under the age of 16 comes in free. Boom. And then the second baseball. doubleheader, everyone at the age of 72 comes in free. Right? Oh, we'll let the old folks in too. But I yeah, like it. Let I the like kids it. in. Uh, take the rules. We talked about speeding the game. Go to Robo uh, umpires. Let's let's speed it oh, up. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're that's a lot. Ro- robotic umpires. That's a whole nother episode. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Put a team. Like all right. Like ready? ready? Put a team in Montreal. Put a team in Charlotte. Move the race to Orlando. Nice little stadium there. Make it part of the, make them the Disney race. Okay. Disney can make them a success. Can, can we put little Mickey Mouse ears on the hats? Oh, we can put that's them on fine. the hats. The mighty but, but ducks that, of Orlando. Uh, move the A's to Sacramento. Build them a new stadium. Okay, that takes care of your, your problems with your two franchises that, that can't find a home in that respect. Uh, again, uh, the NBA has done a great thing with social media and the players having a platform. You need to introduce the players and I know even those who are Hispanic, there are enough people in our country that they can they don't have to learn a second language to be a success in this country. Use social media to reach out to young people. Uh, the average age uh, of the baseball fan right now is 63 years old. So if we're going to make it alive, we've got to make Wait a second. it. 63? Is that how old are you? Older yeah. than older than my dad. Yeah, Holy yeah, God. yeah. By good mouth. Older skewed, so we've got to bring in young people. We've got to cut the games to two and a half hours. Anecdotally, can, can I tell you something, Ernest? And I'll let you. Oh, sure, go ahead. MLB The Show, PlayStation's baseball adaptation, which is actually coming to the Xbox and the Switch, etc., in future generations. They just announced that this year. It's only been on the PlayStation last decade. Single-handedly, that game is is the most is the highest quality sports video game around uh to the point where it's one of the most popular things being streamed on twitch when it comes to sports might have the chance of single-handedly reigniting some sparks there because they've had this players league where they've got people like 22 year old fernando tatis jr who is the future of baseball right playing himself and his padres team against other major league baseball players um i think blake snell i think for the rays is one of the guys um, who, who's also in this whole league thing playing. And they're just so much fun to watch. They bring so much personality. It's almost like baseball was was damned to be boring for the new age of people. But this video game has actually potentially made it the most exciting thing to stream on Twitch when it comes to video games and whatnot. Um I think Wait there's, there's what is really Twitch? a chance. What is Twitch? Sorry. Twitch is a vi- it's a video game streaming website where people can watch other people play video games. 
Right. So, so it's basically like podcasting in real time while you're playing video games. Um, it's coming up on being as popular as the YouTubes of the world. Right. I mean, it's it's like the next social media platform. And Watch, recordings of it are on YouTube also. Massive recordings. And yeah, so, massive recordings. I, I mean, just massive audiences. Right. And. and can it's, we bring back the baseball bunch too? I mean, yeah, I guess we can play baseball anymore. too. Bring it's the awesome. base. No, bring back the the TV show Baseball Bunch. You don't <laughs> that remember like that when you were a kid? No, that was Lasorda and Johnny Beach. Paul remembers. I that, remember that. It was corny. I think Ben Affleck was on oh. there as a kid or something like oh, that. Yeah. Actually, Ben Affleck was in. This is really random. Yeah. Ben Affleck was in a a TV series I watched in middle school science class right. in the seventh grade. Right. Where That's, he. That's what I was ripping off that. Yeah, that's how I yeah, knew okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, did, I didn't know if this was a thing or not, but no, I remember yeah. the seventh grade watching oh, Ben Affleck be like a And teenager. he had a little tiny dragon tattoo back then on his back. So. Oh, it was, Instead it of the big is, eagle one he has now. <laughs> not the big eagle one he has now. But now that's, uh, you got to appeal to young kids and it's shorter time span, shorter period. But I do, like I said, and, and you know, NBA is kind of catching the bad part of it because right. a lot of players have appealed They've like kind of cut out traditional media, and they speak traditionally just to their followers on social media. So that's over a period of time progresses. But baseball needs to do that because they got to get young people in the stands, sitting down. They got to get viewership. Well, the the baseball players are way more entertaining to watch than the basketball people. I'll tell you that the basketball players are very much not entertaining. Oh, there's some great personalities out there, but they just don't get the exposure. I like miking the players. I like miking the, the, the bases. I think the more that you make it user-friendly, they do that on KBO baseball. They mic the players and the pitchers and all that. Of course, they're speaking another language, so we don't understand what they're saying. And I know you're going to get the occasional word dropped. Maybe maybe show the games live on HBO. But I think that brings the experience a little bit closer. I think baseball has to quit thinking in 1960. Uh, rules and the way the media was in 1960, it has to appeal to the new area. Because, you know, the big problem is going to be is, you know, hockey and basketball are going to move their calendars and they're going to have to compete with hockey and basketball in June, July, and August from here on out. You you really you really think that's going to be a, a yeah, permanent thing? I think that's a permanent thing. Basketball, I, I, I can I see. I don't know about hockey. I think basketball and hockey do not want to compete against the NFL and college football from here on out. They basically when is the first time when do you first think of the NHL and NBA? Christmas. Christmas. That's that they're going to make Christmas the kickoff period for the NBA. Hockey just, may start, hockey will start hockey's going to have to start in no early November. Early November. What's Thanksgiving maybe in that respect. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I mean I, do, I see with we don't we don't pay attention to those sports then, right. and with the season being stretched out, I think this is a permanent change. The NBA was already talking about that. Uh, Cuban was talking about it, and the owner of the Hawks back last year. So it's it's a fake complete right now. I really believe. I, I definitely think basketball will be moving the calendar. I don't think hockey will. I think hockey is stubborn in the same way that basketball is stubborn. Uh, I mean, I mean, not basketball, baseball. I think I think hockey is stubborn in the same way. Baseball is stubborn, 
However, I do think Manfred, for all his qualms, is the right guy to transition to potentially the next commissioner who will completely revolutionize baseball and change things completely. I think Manfred is setting things up to to be to for things to be allowed to completely be. He's the worst okay. of the big four commissioners. He is horrible. He is the worst of all the big four. He really is. How would Charles Barkley say that, Ernest? Horrible. He's horrible. I mean, he is he is the worst. He well, is he's competent. He's the one. He's the one with his hands tied behind the back the most out of, out of any sport. Without the salary cap, baseball players union has so much power, and and I think the owners in baseball are probably the most backwards thinking out of any ownership group situation in any of the in any of the sports, right? I, I think. Baseball owners are behind the times in a way. Basically, you're talking about 20 to 25 owners who think in the same way that the Chicago Bulls owner slash White Sox owner still does. Guys, guys, Manfred has destroyed the Miami market. How can you ruin a place that is largely a Latin population that loves baseball? He has turned them all against that. He has ruined what last should dance, be one of the last top markets. Dance, last oh, dance, last eventually, dance, eventually you last bring, dance. Let's talk about last dance. Rod. All right, all right, let's talk last dance, Dad. Okay, uh, as, okay. our, as our final act, let's talk last dance. I, d- d- where'd you hear that? <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> I'll top of my head, I thought, but maybe not. No, no. You Did you hear me chanting last dance? Well, yes, yes. I thought the final act, well, last dance. I thought it sounded cool. Yeah, Co- well. Continue. Tell well, me. because what time is it? Game time. Game t- so I have been resistant to watching the Last Dance, and Ernest just said something, and you said just something, that really get to the point of what do you really need in the sports? You need compelling, outstanding people who just play above and beyond. A superstar, uh, uh, somebody who changes all of culture, is what really helps a sport. And you look back, you think of the NBA was really struggling, and then Magic, and then Bird, and then MJ took it to a whole nother level. And I hadn't been watching The Last Dance. Ernest was bugging me about it. You've been bugging me about it. So I finally started watching, and holy crud, I was just blown away. And the the interview that they've been releasing lately, the part where the uh, documentary guy was sitting down with Jordan, and it was like the first sit-down time. And he asked Jordan, he said, basically... Um, you know, people see you as not a very nice person. You do whatever it takes to win and yada, yada. And Jordan got a little defensive and he started to tear up a little bit and said, you know what? You got to make the choices. I was trying to help other people. Either you get on program or you don't. And then he, he said break and he stopped the interview and he got really emotional and left. And this is what I want to ask Ernest because he's our MJ historian. At that moment, I looked at Jordan. Jordan said, I don't have to do this, but Jordan really wants to do this documentary. And I think part of the reason, Ernest, I'm asking you this, is do you think he feels misunderstood or that he's paid a big price to win so much that he's had to let go of friendships? He's maybe sacrificed a lot to get where he is. And and now he's feeling like people underappreciated him for what he did. Well, he owned all this. So he knew going in how it would be uh, accepted. He owned all the all the films. All this was, and he he uh, gave him the okay to release this 
a couple years ago, they started putting it together when Cleveland beat the Warriors in the NBA championship. So I, th- I think, yeah, he, he, he wanted his, his history out there. Uh, you know, he is what he is. There's nothing that has surprised me, to be honest with me. All the stories, everything. I mean, I've enough about his history. Uh, but do you think he's the, been hurt? I mean, like he, it saddens him to think of all the people who have seen him as only vicious, I think. He is the only American athlete who's a billionaire. He, he owns an NBA basketball team. I don't think he – I mean, when people saw his, his Hall of Fame speech, People came back and thought, wow, he got a lot of things, you know, really got back at a lot of people. He was really holding on a lot of anger over a period of time. I don't think he regrets it. I really don't. And and he's, I think he's come more comfortable with how he was or how he still is in that respect. Uh, I think, I think he was the, an immovable. He was just a force, an immovable right. force. And I really what's reminded me is how many good teams they were back then. It wasn't like it was just two or three, but the Knicks were good. The Sixers were good. The Suns were good. The Sonics were good. The Pacers were good. I mean, there were a lot of Hall of Famers at that time. But there's a price for greatness. I guess that's what oh, I'm yeah. trying to bring up. That oh, yeah. Jordan, even though Outside he has the whole sport. world, he has the, you know, he his marriage didn't make it after, and he had some struggles yeah. with his own demons with, um, you know, gambling and then the huge loss of his dad. I mean, that the, he did not go through this whole period just uh, cloud nine. There's some scars. What do you think, David? I, I, with that, I hear you talking. I, I am so in agreement with you. Just how amazing and, and Herculean his entire story is such like um, that of Roman, Roman Greek, uh, not Roman, Greek god culture. Right, like he is someone we've put on a demigod, you know, a pedestal. He is a demigod, right? Put on a pedestal, uh, who whose story will be told. I honestly think of all of the athletes, Michael Jordan's story as an athlete, him and Babe Ruth uh, as American athletes will be told for for the next five hundred one thousand years, right? There, they, those two have legacies that have impacted world culture in a way that I don't think many other, you know, if any other American athletes have, um, you, no matter where you are in the world, you, you basically heard of Babe Ruth. Even if you don't know anything about baseball, you just know who Babe Ruth is. You know what Babe Ruth is. Same with Michael Jordan. I mean, and Michael Jordan is just that he, he's, he's the Zeus, right. Of our sports mythology and, and sports has become in modern civilization, Sports ha- has condensed in a way to be the microcosm of of both war uh, and and mythology at the same time. You, you, we don't go to war with European countries. We play European countries in Olympic sports. You know, no. and, and no. in Europe, England we go, and France, we go to war against us. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. other other countries, but yes, the less developed ones. Right, right. So, like, yes, that's very tricky. Trick, trick. But you look, you look in Europe. You have France and England. They don't go to war. They used to go to war every 50 years against each other. They don't anymore. They play each other in soccer. And the winner gets bragging rights in the same way that it used to be a war you know, for the bragging rights of the king at the time. In modern civilization, we've got a long ways to go. 
but we've come a long ways in the in the fact that sports really synthesizes things and, and that's what we tell our legacies we give our legacies to sports in a way that we used to do to war um and i think that's a progression for society and michael jordan is the epitome of this person defines our generation in a way that maybe a war used to um, and Michael Jordan is just so special in in such a special way because his story is so uniquely unparalleled. He never, you know, he didn't lose. It, most people, when they get to the pinnacle, they get beaten and the, and then they hand the reins off to someone else. The Pistons that happened to the Lakers that happened to the eighties, you know, the Celtics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Michael Jordan won and he left on top, and that left a mystique that's never been seen. We're not talking about the Wizards. Don't talk about. But I'm gonna say that two years was. Think of the what are courage. About no, 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 no. That, that's no, a different Michael Jordan who is still an all-star. Okay, player. That's but a listen. Think of the courage to be able to, and he knew this would be exposed when he released this. Yeah. How much do you know about? What do you know about Derek Jeter? Right. He's nothing. a cipher. Cipher. What, what do you know about Brady? Right. Brady, Brady's been playing for twenty-four years, and you know, Michigan fans, you've known him for twenty-seven years. Your entire life has been Brady. But these are these are personality. How what do we know about Durant? What do we know about Curry? It adds to his legacy by doing this. It adds I to his greatness. It adds to his greatness by doing it now, twenty five years later, because his mystique is already baked into the experience of being a twenty eight year old as I am, or being in your fifties and sixties like you guys. It's baked into your livelihood, into your life experience of how great he was. Him doing this now reintroduces his greatness and his mystique to an entire generation that only knows LeBron James. That only knows LeBron James. And that gets right? back so to Ernest's what, point. He's doing this in a way to say to LeBron, you're great, but I'm even greater. And he, he's, that's the thing. Michael Jordan has stayed off of social media. He's, sta- he's not a social media person. They People don't know him. So this is a peek into his life that we've never seen before that just – it reemphasizes a how great Michael Jordan is, but also peeks in behind the curtain just enough to see some weaknesses, but not enough to really knock him down off his pedestal. That's where that's where I get at. He, he's just he's just reasserting his greatness by this. And, he, and he's great. just as competitive because I went to a game last year when they were playing the Pistons, and Malik Monk jumped off of the bench <laughs> and caused a technical <laughs> foul to to tie the game, and Michael Jordan, who sits next to the the the, the bench. Every game, most games, he popped him in the back of the head, kind of like, you know, what are you doing? He's, he's just in, he's still invested, but like, again, yeah, uh, it's it's the ability to expose himself, but that drive, because if you look at the rest of that roster, you know, Ku Coach and Weddington and Steve Kerr and all those guys, not exactly Hall of Famers. I mean, other than Pippen, there wasn't a lot of talent. I mean, Robin could rebound, that was about it. It's not his supporting cast, as he liked to call it. That respect, he had to really motivate them. And but again, it's it's he's a part of our history beyond sports, because at his height, mm-hmm. everyone it's kind of like Muhammad Ali. At his height, so everyone knew him. Driving home today, I listened to the radio, and the guy was interviewing Matt Doherty, the infamous North Carolina coach that didn't last too long, um, and played with Michael Jordan as a player. Um, 
and with Worthy and Sam Perkins and the great team. And he was telling some great stories. And I was a little surprised. Matt Doherty's from, um, I think, New Jersey or, or Connecticut. And he's got this East Coast approach to it. And just that he, they asked him, he said, did Dean Smith treat Michael Jordan differently when we were all on the same college team, when you were all on the same college team? And he said, you know what? He treated us all like we were his sons. And you know there's a certain way where you don't have to tear down other people to lift somebody up. He'd, he'd coach each one of us. But one time in practice, Doherty said he took a 15-foot jumper. And he says he used to be a big scorer in high school. He took the 15-foot jumper. Dean blew his whistle, walked over to him and said, uh, Matthew. And he said, anytime you use your proper name, you're in trouble. He said, Matthew, just wait a second. How many other players think that Matthew took a good shot? Raise your hand. Of course, nobody raised their hand. And he says, Matthew, don't take that shot. And he was saying, basically, that was his way and a lot of other ways to say, Jordan takes the 15-footer. So Dean Smith, who I know you love, Ernest, did it in such a class way. And he made a big point, Doherty did, of saying that Michael Jordan was a product of a very healthy, respectful family. He had older brothers. He had great parents. He had a great coach in Dean Smith. All those things added to it, but if it wasn't for his unique sense of fire and energy and edge that made other people better, that's why he's one of a kind and the talent, all of it, all in one. And that leads us to the oldest joke in the business, who's the only person who could hold Michael Jordan under 20 points, and Dean of course, with Dean Smith. <laughs> yes. It's, yes. It's, it, again, it was, and I was lucky enough to watch him as a, you know, I've seen him from when he was playing high school at New Hanover to the three years at Carolina, and he wanted to come back for his senior year. And Dean said, "No, you're going to be one of the top three picks. You need to, you need to leave now." And think of coaches today; they would not tell a kid that now you've done as much as you can do. You need to move on. Get your optimal value being drafted at that time. Even even the point that he could have sat out his second year after he broke the bone in his foot. And they pretty much told him he had a 10% chance when he came back that he'd never play again. And he came back to get them in the playoffs, even though the GM, the owner, wanted him to be in the lottery. They got swept by the Celtics, but his drive was to win. That's right. I, I mean, he's just the best, right? He's the best of all time. Wrapping up, um, Dad, did you want to fish on Michael Jordan, or is there anything in this quarantine crazy time you yeah, like to finish I just say that it's been a super bummer, put it mildly, not to have sports on. I, I underestimated how much sports distracts, entertains, uh, makes my life better, and I miss that. Um, Dave and I did get to play golf on Saturday, although it was like 48 degrees and we're in it. A little chilly. A, a, a little, little chilly. chilly, but still, <sighs> that's the fun part to me, that sports is if we can talk about it. And it's been a little challenge to do this on this podcast without having real current sports besides this Korean. I don't want. I don't want crud. Whatever. KBO. That KBO. No, no, I can't buy into it. But I appreciate the co-hosts and the listeners listening to it. And if you do listen to this podcast, hey, send me an email. Let me know you're listening. Um, we're trying to look at what we can do in the future to make this uh, engaging, and we got to have sports sooner or later, right, Ernest? Oh, yeah. Just a quick sideline. The NFL schedule came out, and you may not be aware of this fact, but 
weeks four, five, six, and seven are all out of divisional play. You don't play anybody in your division. So if they have to compress the season, they can eliminate those four weeks and wind up playing a 13-week season, which would be 12 Ooh. games. Wow. Nice. Uh, that's thinking ahead right there. That's why, that's why they pay um, Mr. Commissioner there at the NFL $44 million a year. Well, no, he's not. Like he's not taking his salary this year. This year, he's oh, not taking yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He, for him, I guess those oh, forty yeah. million dollars a year for the past decade are He'll really going to sell all those helmets and all that memorabilia <laughs> he had in his basement. Yeah, Dad, I liked your on office. eBay. Dad, your office was uh, pretty awesome. I agreed there. This is really random, but you, you're describing your dream baseball office. Reminded me, yeah. If you ever go to Colorado. Um, and you go to a baseball game with the Rockies about one street over uh, adjacent from the stadium uh, towards downtown is this like single uh, historical museum that, that this guy, he, he was a lawyer and he made a bunch of money, got pretty lucky in the stock market and he started collecting baseball memorabilia, just random baseball memorabilia. And he has this uh, museum, this baseball museum um, it's five bucks to go in and you just walk around for half an hour, um, right downtown in like this really smaller building. Um, super cool, super random. I have to look it up, but it reminded me of everything my dad was saying about just picking up cool artifacts. It's kind of like, a, sort of like the Ernest's American house. Kid's dream. Yeah. It kind of like had, Ernest's house actually. David, you had me worried there. I thought it was going to go in two different directions. You're either going to say, try the Rocky mountain oysters, or you're going to use the word dispensary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other, or so high or, or low. Just, yeah, or you could just yeah get your high off of That's baseball. Uh, I right? <laughs> um, he, he had like Jackie Robinson's minor league baseball jersey, and I was like, well, that was one of the random things he had. Uh, a baseball bat from the first home run hit in insert random stadium. Uh, that was a cool little little thing I remember. I have not been watching live sports often, very often for maybe the past year or two maybe two or three, uh, it just kind of, I, I'd always pay attention. I'd always get super into the analytical parts of sport, but, but I kind of got turned off from live sports. Uh, maybe it was just from seeing Michigan lose to Ohio state every year for the last two decades. Um, I, it just, it wasn't worth it anymore. However, nowadays I'm so, missing it so much. German soccer is coming back this Saturday and I will be watching every single minute of it. NASCAR too. NASCAR, NASCAR too. Well, I've been watching NASCAR too. That's a whole other story. But their eye racing has been amazing and impeccable. I am so excited for Life Sports to be back, and I cannot wait. And with that, guys, I will let you go. Das Vidania. Have a good night. Pardon the confusion. Bye.